for you too. <laughs> Goodbyes and letting go. A physician, an expert in palliative care, was giving a presentation on the process of preparing for one's death. He began by asking participants to make three lists. First, they were to write down five possessions that gave them pleasure in their life. The second list, five activities that give them joy. And third and finally, the list, five people they love the most in the world. After the audience completed their lists, the doctor began talking about a hypothetical patient, a woman whose days were filled with the usual routines, jobs, and stresses of everyday life. But after she discovered a lump in her body, there came a cascade of medical interventions. First, a biopsy, then surgery, radiation, chemotherapy. After a year, it became clear that the treatments weren't working. The oncologist told her to get her affairs in order. She entered into hospice care, and gradually her world shrank to the size of her bedroom. Throughout the story, the doctor periodically paused to ask participants to cross an item off their lists. The possessions and activities went first, understandably. Each was a choice. Which would I have to give up more, my laptop or my car? Biking or walking? Then it came time to start crossing off people. Each decision, an agonizing, you might say, Sophie's choice dilemma. But now it was clear where the exercise was heading and most participants, the men included, were borrowing tissues from the women who were organized enough to keep a packet in their purses. By the time the physician's hypothetical patient had passed away, everyone was gone through a similar shedding of what they held dearest, leaving the audience the emotional equivalent, you might say, of wet noodles. I took that from a publication called The Christian Century, and the article was entitled, We Need to Talk About Death, by Lori Erickson. See, the stripping away of possessions, status, relationships happens to every one of us in our lives. And it happens repeatedly throughout our lives. And for each of us, one day, it will be at the very last of our lives. Even though we believe that death is not the ultimate end from a faith perspective, we can't deny that in the short term there's plenty of sadness to go around. Jesus makes it abundantly clear in today's gospel that our entire lives truly are a series of deaths, of letting go, of changing, of adapting to a new set of circumstances over and over again. Just before Mass in the gathering space, speaking to one senior in high school about her applications for college, 
Then walking back to the sacristy, Catherine and Deacon Rick were talking about kneeling down and trying to get back up again. Our lives are a whole series of changes. To set ourselves, you might say, in a perspective of adopting and adapting to new circumstances in our lives. But we believe that every death can result in some form of a resurrection, a new understanding, a new insight, a new appreciation. Last night I had the great fortune, someone had given another priest friend and I some tickets for the DSO. And last night was Mahler's Symphony Number no. 2, which is entitled Resurrection. The conductor, before the performance began, welcomed everyone and made comment of the stage, which was completely packed with over a hundred voices and over a hundred musicians and musicians, which is very um, consistent with most of Mahler's work, usually a group of musicians off of the stage so that you hear almost a dissident sound through parts of the symphony. He said, however you came in here feeling, I promise you, you will leave here feeling hope-filled. Resurrection, that ultimate change, the ultimate hope that you and I carry in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, recognizing through each and every Good Friday that we experience in our lives, hoping and believing that that which will come next is that resurrection. I was telling Johnny just before Mass that probably during that final movement on the stage last evening, probably 50% of the audience was moved to tears, but not tears of sadness, but tears filled with hope. The elevation of the sounds in the room elevated, I think, our hearts and our spirits and our moods to hope. See, these readings and these last days of the church year are not in any way designed to bring us fear or sadness or to be overwhelmed with an anxiety of what's going to happen to tomorrow. They're all an invitation for us to live today. Because we don't always get it right, do we? We put emphasis on things that don't really matter. We think this is the most beautiful house I could have ever built, and then there's a fire. The house is gone. I'll save up because I want to buy this one car. It's my dream. And you live next to the ocean, and as I did, you'll learn that the salt from the sea air deteriorates cars pretty quickly. See, today's gospel 
isn't intended to terrify us or to deflate our sense of hope, but to make us aware of the things of the world that will one day truly be gone. And for us to look at ourselves and our lives, to recognize what are those lasting things of God that are the means of peace, of hope, of joy that we journey from this world to the next. What do you want to carry with you from this world to the next? This week, I met more angry people than I had met in quite a while. And I thought this year I had met, over the last two years, pretty much every angry person there was. <laughs> I don't want to carry anger with me to the next world. I want those stones of anger and revenge, and status, and titles, and possessions, and all that stuff that the world tells us is so important. And Jesus says there won't be one stone left on top of another. And I don't think I want any of them. But I want that smile. Mm -hmm. As soon as I sat down and saw your smile, my whole day was perfect. And I want the hug of the senior in high school applying for college, filled with excitement, and telling me that I'm in her intro to her letter for college admission because of a homily that inspired her. I'm going to take that into the next world. I want to take my mom's voice telling me that she loves me, even when I'm not sure she really knows it's me. But she would have never said those words unless she meant them. And I want to take Deacon Rick's red face with me. <laughs> what do you want to take? The rest, let it go. In fact, leave it here tonight. Don't take your anger. Don't take your resentments. Don't take your disappointments. Don't take your hostilities. Don't take all that stuff. Walk out holding someone's hand. Uh, hopefully someone you know. <laughs> and not someone who belongs to someone else. <laughs> Take home a laugh. Take home a smile. Take home love. Because that, that will carry us 
from this world into the next.